Welcome to the Loveworks Here podcast. I'm Sean York. And I'm Hannah Gorham. And this is episode 19, the guest happiness framework. But before we get into that, how's it going? Uh, doing pretty good. This is, we're actually in the month of October, so it's Barely. Halloween. Yeah. What are the plans for Halloween? Oh, I've already, they've been started. They're on their, their way. We have already done a pumpkin carving contest. So like the rest of the world, things have to kind of go virtual. So we had our pumpkin. You had a virtual pumpkin? Well, we had all the pictures that we sent to Slack. So there was that. The next one up is the costume contest. So costumes are allowed on Halloween in the restaurant. So that'll be exciting. The team, I've been hearing some great ideas, so I'm excited to see how they make them happen. I gotta say, one of the best costumes ever was when your brother Jonah dressed up as me. Yes, and that was so elegant. <laughs> we should, well, I think we'll post some photos. Once after Halloween, we gotta post some photos of this year's costumes. Yeah. And I'll, maybe I'll idea. throw in that one of him... Unless somebody else can top that one. I don't know. That, I get it. One, that was pretty good. It was like down good. to the pants and the shoes. Yeah, he nailed it. So anyway, this is uh, this is this episode is different because a lot of the episodes that we do are talking about how to build a, a better culture, a better you know team member. This is different in that it's actually about customers and about applying the same principles, which is basic human emotional needs to customers and find their emotional needs and appeal to them. Now, going back to my culture journey, I talk about in the first couple episodes. Uh, back 2009, this team member culture journey started with reading Tony Shea's book from Zappos, Delivering Happiness. Now, I realize at some point that all team members have universal, basic emotional needs in common. And I begin to think, what if every customer had some of those same like two or three basic human emotional needs? What would those be? And wouldn't it be amazing if we could appeal to those needs? just like we do with team members' needs. So eventually in 2011, I came up with this framework for meeting these emotional needs and called it the guest happiness framework uh, with the purpose, the hope that if we did everything right, that every guest would leave happier than when they arrived. And as you know, over the last nine years, meeting those three emotional needs have not changed in our business. We've changed like the wording and, you know, kind of the branding of it, but the three emotional needs haven't changed. And so, uh, and we've, we, we run every team member through this framework. So I've, I've always thought like if there was ever a book I was going to write, it would probably be on this topic just because I have nine years of, you know, it's a case studies uh, on this stuff, but, uh, I have everything I need, all the information, uh, except for the actual time it takes to write a book or the patience to, <laughs> I don't know, I guess I, um, you could, if you really applied yourself. Yeah, I guess I could, but, or I could just spend an hour talking about it on this podcast. <laughs> and here we go. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the three emotional needs that every guest has in common. This is episode 19, the guest happiness framework. I love my job. High volume, fast food, 160 employees. It is a pressure cooker and it gets crazy. But I truly believe that it's possible to build a business where everyone loves their job. It sounds impossible. And when I first started this business, it was. I'm not the extrovert or the social butterfly. I'd rather be building systems and crunching numbers on Excel. But I decided to stop making excuses of why I couldn't and start utilizing my love for systems to build a better culture. Today, I call it the York Framework, but it's really just a collection of systems designed to make a better workplace and make people happier. I'm going to share all the mistakes I've made so that you don't have to make them. And we'll look for new problems to solve along the way. 
I'm Sean York, and Love Works here. So in 2006, I first became an operator, and I'm now in charge of this brand that is very well known in customer service. And I'm hiring new people, and I'm in charge of teaching them the customer service model that essentially said, if we are operationally excellent, we do everything well, we go above and beyond with then what they're expecting and create personal connections that we will in turn create these, you know, brand ambassadors who will you know, essentially like go and tell people. And that, then that's how in California, in a brand that was unknown, that was how we would build this brand. As I'm telling my brand new team members, like, hey, here's the vision. Here's what we want to do. It wasn't sticking. And really, like you can imagine in our business, even today, when you have these team members who are in the drive through going through 200 transactions in an hour, like just flying through customers, building brand ambassadors who will build the brand for us is the last thing on their mind. And so I had to think, like, how do I get them to envision, like, you know, building this relationship with customers or having this impact on customers? Somebody said something to me, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Darley, who was uh, an operator before me, he had told me, you know, the problem with this customer service model is that the team members never never get to feel the win. And that stuck with me for a long time. So what I started to realize is there are things that are important to me and there are things that are important to them. And for me, it is important to build the brand and to create brand ambassadors and to have people that will, you know, do marketing for us and to tell all their friends about us. Uh, But to the team member, you know, they, the most important thing to them is when do I get my lunch? And (laughs) uh, hey, I saw a puppy in drive-thru today. (laughs) It's a big deal. Yeah, right. So I, I realized like, yeah, they're not seeing the win and they probably never will. So Henry Cloud came to seminar one year. He said that, you know, the the better the brands are, really what it comes down to is not focusing on things that you have no control over. Uh, What are the things that that the team members have ridiculous, they're, they're ridiculously in control of. And if they aren't ridiculously in control of those things, just don't bother them with them. And so I realized for me, my team members on the register aren't ridiculously in control of you know, building these brand ambassadors. Yeah, they can't tell somebody to go post on Yelp or Instagram or something like that. Yeah, they can't control any of that. And they can't feel that win. So what are, that was a big question for me. What are they in control of? And what I came to realize was they're in control of making sure that somebody leaves their register happier than when they arrived there. I started to talk to team members about this. Imagine that you have this mood meter, right? And somebody comes up to you and they're in kind of a bad mood. Maybe they're a two on the mood meter. And then you read that mood and you say, okay, this person's, you know, a two. As long as they leave your register at 2.5, you've done your job. And you are in control of that. That's kind of where we start this whole thing, that people leave your presence happier than when they arrive. And if you can do that, then the guest happiness framework has been achieved. And that's as simple as it is. Okay, so what are some things that that every guest has in common to where if we touched on those things, we can maybe take them really quick from a 2.5 to a 3, a 4, a 5, or, you know, all the way to a 10. We got to figure this out. What are those basic human emotional needs that maybe, and this is a guess, maybe they all have in common. So I thought about this for several months and tried to figure out what these emotional needs would be. Like I'd be in the store, like a ran, I'm not going to name a... (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, I'd be frustrated and I'd stop myself and navigate. Like, why am I so upset? Was maybe someone was rude to me or someone, I saw somebody and they were lazy or something. And then I have to think like, once I thought, okay, that's what makes me mad. Then I was like, okay, what's the opposite of that? If that's a, if that's an emotional like trigger, what's the emotional need that's on the other side of that? It took a long time. Sounds of, exhausting. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of logging of these things. Cut to the chase here. Here's what I came up with. And here's what I boiled all these down to. Uh, all guests want to feel confident. They want to feel human and they want to feel needed. So let's start with confidence. They want to feel confident 
that they're going to get what they pay for. I like to say to my team members, think about a time you walked into a business and then you stopped and said, let's go somewhere else. And this one girl that went to a sushi place and they went into the restaurant and the first thing they did was use the restroom. And when they went in, the lights were like flickering (laughs) and they said, do you want to go somewhere else? They said, yeah, let's go somewhere else. Now it's crazy that lights flickering would somehow make you think that the food wouldn't be good. They wouldn't be fresh or whatever, but but your brain puts all those together right away. And it says, you know, if somebody didn't pay attention to this, what else in the kitchen are they not paying attention? to. Your brain says, I'm going to pay $30 and I'm going to get some old product that's not going to be good. I'm not going to get $30 worth. And so our brain puts that together really quick. You know, it's a similar situation. You go to a restaurant and they say, you know, oh, we'll go ahead and seat you. And you see all these tables, but it takes you forever to get seated. Yeah. Like it's not that hard. And so you start to think, <laughs> to sit like, me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of tables, right? Like what's the problem that kills your confidence because you start to say, okay, well, what if we do sit down and it takes this long? What's the next stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, it's t- if it takes you this long just to put me at an open table, are we even going to walk over there by yeah, myself? If we, are we even going to get food today? And so you start, <laughs> your brain starts to think about all those. Here's another one. When a server comes to your table, you know, especially when you're with your family and with kids and the server does not pull out the piece of paper and start writing your order down. When you just start ordering and they, they're like, I okay. Know, that could be somehow more impressive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it kills my confidence because it, it might be impressive until, you know, <laughs> somebody doesn't something. get their food. So we always think about those things that kill our confidence. And just things being dirty, I would say. Like the first thing that comes to mind, our team calls them confidence killers. First thing is, what is the first impression? So we walk in and, I mean, you kind of said it with the restroom with the flickering lights, but trash on the floor, walking in, that first impression is important. So let's talk about, these are ways that just relatable ways that for us that will kill customers' confidence when they walk in the door. So the first one here is when team members are cleaning, stocking, talking, totally oblivious to the guests in line. What? We've never Never happens. So, uh, how dare you? Uh, obviously that, that kills their confidence. And why? It's because the customer thinks like, you know what? I can see maybe the kitchen's working hard. They're going to bag the order and then it's going to sit there because these team members don't know, like they don't know what's there. And so I'm going to pay for $10 worth of hot food and I'm, I'm not going to get the full value of that. The team member can just be talking about what they were doing last weekend. If the guests can hear them, it's always a confidence killer. Like they're not really here to serve me. Yeah. Again, they're probably going to forget something because they were too preoccupied talking about their weekend. Uh, when any guest sees food sitting on the counter with no urgency to get it out to the other guests. So sometimes we have like oh, a bunch of orders come up at once and they're all stacked there, but you don't have enough runners. So the, all the food's sitting there. Someone in line's looking at that food going, that's going to be my food and it's going to get cold. This one, yeah, that one hurts because the team is, I know that they are focused on what their task was, like their cleaning job, their stocking task, and they don't see the big picture, but the guest does every time. They always do because they're standing there in line. They're like standing, that's all they see. When a team member's uniform is untucked or dirty. This one's always sad too, because then it's the guest looking at that like single team member as like I'm not confident in this person as opposed to the organization yeah I tell the team tuck it in your shirt yeah it's sad too when you go through drive-through basically like your belt line is a lot of what they see if that isn't clean that's their view of the whole restaurant and so you represent like it's crazy so let's talk about ways to keep our guests confidence to maintain their confidence all of the opposites of the things we just yeah, said we- <laughs> Uh, we couldn't come up with a name for this one. We had the confidence killer in the restaurant. <laughs> I think it was your term, wasn't it? No, I did What'd not. What did you try to no, call it? I did not it call it. It was you. You came up with it. I did not. Confidence birthers. <laughs> that was horrible. It's terrible. Uh, but people remember that. 
<laughs> but don't advertise it as that. Yeah. Uh, so greet the guests when they walk in. So the first one was like, oh, the, the team members were oblivious to the guests. When the guest walks in and somebody greets you, you go, okay, I'm, they know I'm here. So at least, you know, there's going to be a minimal waiting time because they've acknowledged that I'm, that I'm actually here. When a guest isn't sure what to order or they just look lost, that's another big opportunity. You can make them feel confident by offering them suggestions, just, you know, picking up where they left off, letting them sample things. All of it builds confidence. For a new brand, for a, a, an emerging brand like Chick-fil-A, there were so many customers walking in that would you could tell them, I was, like you see they're, they're looking at the menu like deer in the headlights. That is a lack of confidence of like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to order. Somebody told me to come here, but I'm not sure what to get. And then when a team member goes, would you like to try our chicken? You know, like all of a sudden confidence restored instantly. So, uh, and then how do we keep their confidence? Stand up straight eye contact, smile. Those are all things that uh, are basically the opposite of having like a wrinkled uniform. It's, it's weird how just standing up straight will exude confidence. So yeah, I mean, right now it's more eye contact than smiling, but just letting them know I see you and I'm here to serve. Care of you. Yeah. Here's another one. If a team member doesn't have anything to do, they can always help their coworkers expedite the order taking. So I always say like, if you're not helping a customer, you better go help somebody who is. Don't just stand there because everyone's looking at you. They're all staring at you. Grab the drinks and start filling them up. Do something. Yeah, better that there's an army of people trying to serve this one guest than That's right, because everyone's looking at you in line. Uh, what else do we have? Just sense of urgency is a really huge one. So again, it's... I sometimes just want to tell the team, like, I'm going to record you and then play it back and show you what you looked like. Because when they're just leisurely walking around and behind the front counter, you know, to them, again, they're kind of in their own world. They know they're on their way to clean or stock or whatever it is. But the guest is just watching them not serve them as quickly as they can. Yep. So uh, confidence is important. So the second one is human. So in order for guests to leave happier than when they arrived, every guest must feel human. And what that means is that people want to be treated uniquely and personal with unique needs, different from the person behind them. So when I used to teach this class to our team members, I used to tell them, imagine that you have a line of cardboard cutouts and this cardboard cutout comes to your register and it's not a person. And the more questions you ask, the more it comes to life. So when you ask, how was your day? Suddenly this becomes a person with dimensions and reality and feelings. And, you know, you notice that this has a, you know, like a Lakers sweatshirt on and you say like, oh, you like the Lakers. All of a sudden this becomes a real person and we feel like we have an obligation to serve them in a more personal way because we know something about them. Think about, I like to say, think about a time that you were in a situation where you were just a number and you didn't feel like a human, anything unique about you at all. And so the first one that comes to mind for me is going to the DMV, right? Definitely so, for everybody, I think that comes to mind. Yeah. And the DMV is not only are you a number, but you are one of so many numbers that they have to like add a letter to the numbers. <laughs> so you're like S157 and then you could tell somebody else is like X. 235 and you're like how many numbers you know like there's no personal connection in that you know like a cardboard cutout you know i'm just the same person as the person behind me and the person behind him so there are ways that we can make guests feel like transactions even when we know about it we still fall victim to it so let's talk about some of those in the restaurant uh we your talked least about... favorite one. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so this is one saying next guest and i swear he can hear this from like miles away He's like, did so and so just say next guest? Yeah, we'll be in a leadership <laughs> meeting, and then I'll, did they did they just say next guest? Uh, because when you say that, that's it's so impersonal. And actually, uh, most places do that. They they think if I say the word guest, well, that's a heightened level 
of service. Not customer. It's a guest. Yeah, you're a guest. But they say next guest, next guest. Uh, so I always tell them, you know, don't say next guest. So, well, what do I say? And I say, just look them in the eyes and say, I can serve you right here. But Sean... What if they don't hear you? What if they didn't hear you? Then they wouldn't hear next guest either. Yeah, well, that's the one I always get. What if they don't hear me? <laughs> so anyway, I this it's very impersonal, but uh, looking them in the eye and saying that is much better. So another one that drives me nuts here is talking, and I've experienced this myself, so when I see it in the restaurant, I, I cringe, but uh, talking to a customer with zero enthusiasm after just laughing with the friend right next to you drives me nuts. Do you, you don't think the customer feels that? You know, they feel like, I, now I just realized how much enthusiasm you have. I just realized how personal you are. Yeah, if you, you know? liked me, like you like them, you would be smiling at me too. I would say another one is when you walk the meal out to the guest. Again, this is all from a time before now. Um, but when you would walk them out and then you would set down the food and you can see, you can see the need. That human being needs their cutlery kit to eat the salad. And you see it and you just turn and walk away. And then, the, okay, they'll stand up. They'll follow you half the way to the condiment island, grab their own stuff and go back and sit down. It's like, come on. You walked all the way across the dining room with a salad that you knew needed a fork with no fork in your Would tray. you need a fork yeah. if it was you? It's like, really think just... About, yeah. So it is kind of like, what if I were this person? What if they were a real human being? Not just, I'm just handing this because it's my job. So uh, let's talk about some ways that we can make guests feel human, actually. It's kind of the opposite of these. Asking them how their day is before we walk up to that car, before they, they come up to the register. Hi, how are you doing today? You know? Yep. Before you get into anything transactional, it's important to remind yourself and them they're human small talk is the next one that is very common that we always you know make small talk you know i always tell the team members when you're filling up that beverage pouring a coke or something like that and if it's a large one there's a lot of dead time that's just sitting there <laughs> fill that dead space with some form of small talk whether it's, i like that sweater or you know if they're wearing anything that's a team you know like oh dodger fan huh hey. and then, you know like anything <laughs> uh just make make small talk fill that uh, fill that time. Yeah. And going back to the idea of the mood meter, it's okay. Like if you are reading the guests and again, not in your control, what number they came to you as. So if this person is like a one and a half on the mood meter, like it's okay to not try to make small talk for somebody who would have been out of five or could have been at a four and a half. Um, but yeah, the idea of like just a compliment or something that can turn it around is a really important thing to add into the conversation. It's it's how we take, you know, that, like I said, 200 transactions in an hour and still make it feel personal. It doesn't have to be huge. It's just appealing to this basic emotional needs is really small but it's it's intentional and it's personal definitely so something sean that you encourage us to teach the team members is um one of true kathy's most famous quotes in the book that we make the team leaders read it's the idea that he, the unexpected opportunity that he enjoyed the most was the opportunity to turn a frown into a smile so we have taught even just the basic team members who are the ones that are doing most of the interacting with the guests to look out for those those frowns so when a noticeably distressed guest comes into the line again it was out of our control we didn't do anything it's you know, the mood we meter just, right again. like a, number one there a one on the mood meter. Here we are. We just stumbled across this unexpected opportunity. We, our leaders are trained to like approach them and that, you know, take care of their order for the day. Um, other times, maybe it's not, you know, a frown. It's somebody who there was something good that happened and they shared about it. Totally unexpected. You're like, whoa, they shared this thing with me. Like somebody be... drives through with balloons in the car. Exactly. It's the kid who just got their driver's license and they announced it. This is the first place they wanted to come. The dad on the way to the hospital, things like that. Um, it's just something unexpected. We stumbled across it. Now, how can we uniquely meet this need or um, what can we add on to this day? Yeah, that's Dan Cathy says, uh, learn to follow the warm hearted impulses. So when you see stuff like that, you just, you know, oh, that's really neat. Like, oh, that's a really neat. What can you do? You know, 
what can you do to make that even more special? So those are all things that, that we can do that make them feel human and seen and known and unique and different from the person behind them. Uh, one of the things that I really like, every position from the cashier to the runner to the cash taker, like any, any position that we have that the customer touches, open and close with a name. If we collected their name at the very beginning, you know, then we have their name at every step of the way and use that name. Uh, it says, uh, Dale Carnegie used to say, uh, a person's name to him or her is the sweetest and most important sound in any language. And I felt that uh, when we went to, uh, Lonnie and I, it was our anniversary, we went to a nice restaurant. And at the end of the meal, I didn't know this server. We didn't talk much or anything. We There wasn't much of a connection. I gave him my card. And when at the end of the transaction, you know, he gave me my receipt to me and he looked me in the eye and he said, thank you so much, Sean. And he walked away. And my first instinct was like, just to think like, oh man, now I got to tip him really well because this guy knows me, <laughs> like he knows who I am. But man, what a, like it changed everything. It changed the whole, you know, experience of feeling like I'm known. Yeah, We have that opportunity so many times through, you know, the time that we're in contact with these customers and we can leave here making them feel you know anonymous or making them feel you know human and known yeah as and we've so, had to make the, the drive-through only like that's our play um this is a really cool thing that we talk about in training it prints out a copy of their transaction and their name at the top and so that's what we use to identify them and so the team members i'll show them and i'll say like okay what does this say and they'll tell me what it says like karen okay does it say karen with a question mark at the end and they <laughs> say no and i said okay then you don't say the name like it has a question mark at the end because it's all the difference between like order for Karen. <laughs> exactly. Versus, hey, Karen, here you go. How you doing? Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I'll have, you know, they, when they'll say like, have a great day, whatever. And I say, Hey, what was that customer's name? And they go, Oh, his name is John. I say, why don't you say have a great day, John? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Always close with a name. It just makes things personal. And that's tough. For people, that's actually tough because as the server at, you know, this restaurant, I thought, oh my goodness, if I was a server, I would look everyone in the eye and I would say their name at the end. You would make so much more money doing that, right? If that was your job, like you'd do so much better if you did that. Why doesn't everybody do that? Because there's a little bit of vulnerability in that and it's not for everybody. Like he had to be able to look me in the eye and have the confidence to say my name like that. And not everyone can do that. So us teaching kids to do that is is really important skill, I believe, Uh, because it's a really powerful thing. So we talked about confidence. We talked about human. And then the third one, needed. Every customer wants to feel needed. Every customer, in order for them to leave happier than when they arrived, they must feel that their patronage is not just appreciated, but they've their business was needed, that we need their business. So one of the things that I ask team members when I'm you know, training this material is say, think about your favorite day at work, your most memorable day at work. Ultimately, what they'll say is they'll talk about a day that was like the craziest day. You know, they'll say, oh, is that one fundraising night where like the entire city showed up and the line was out the door for three hours straight and we were running out of everything and it was just insane. And uh, and so I, I go like, wait, so I remember that night and it was crazy. Like it was crazy for all of us. And that was your favorite night. And they go, yeah, it was was like it was my most memorable i you know then i say what if i told you and i called you in i said hey uh i'm just gonna let you know we're, we're gonna need your help tonight we got the spirit night but before you come in i'm gonna tell you uh we're gonna run out of everything there's gonna be a line going out the door like every like every trash is gonna be overflowing it's gonna be crazy but it'll be your favorite night ever you know they'll say like not only i don't believe you i'm not coming in you know but why why is that your favorite night because at the end of the day like i felt like my work mattered I felt like I was needed. And the team member 
feels that. And then I say, how do you know? At the end of eight hours, how do you know if what you did mattered today? Mattered to anyone else? And that usually stumps them. They're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I, if I help somebody. And well, at the end of the day, if you're a leader, before you head out the door, says, hey, thanks for your help tonight. I really needed your help. Sometimes that's all it takes is just someone saying thank you. It makes a huge difference. And I said, if that makes a difference in after eight hours, what I did tonight mattered versus I just wasted eight hours. The only difference was that somebody took the time to thank you. That's a remarkable difference. And we have that opportunity with every customer. When they leave our drive-thru, I should be able to stand at the end of the drive-thru lane and say, hey, did somebody thank you for coming today? And they say, absolutely, they did. I want every customer to feel that. And what it takes is a genuine token of our gratitude of saying, you know, thank you in a, in a genuine and personal way. So um, how do we make them feel like we don't need them by just saying, here's your food or letting them walk away, just putting the food on the table and not saying anything. Those are, those are ways or just handing them their food and here's your meal, you know, uh, of ways that th- we don't care. You know, we don't care one way or the other, but uh, especially in, in when something goes wrong, it's another way that we, we can make them feel like we don't need something goes wrong and, and we don't apologize. Do you, yeah. even need, do you even need my business to even care? You know, uh, so some of the things that we do is make sure that they're saying thank you. That when something goes wrong, the first thing, the first thing you say is apologize, you know, and if there's somebody who comes often, hey, it's great to see you again, you know, that, that, that we're recognizing the fact that they come often, that we're appreciating that. So why do I say needed? Because I wrestle with that a lot too, as I'm as I'm coming up with these terms. What makes me feel good as a customer? What makes me feel bad when I don't feel like they need my business, right? And so we say like, oh, show appreciation. And so the difference between appreciation and needed. I originally like the term appreciated, like every customer wants to feel appreciated. But the term needed is deeper and it's more personal, right? So I want our guests to feel that we are better when they are here with us. The truth is, without them, we don't have jobs. We don't have a business. We do need them and we shouldn't shy away from that. So I tell the team members, I have a job and you have a job because of these customers. So if there's anyone to thank, thank the person who physically puts that money in your hand and make sure that they feel that. So that's a huge opportunity. (laughs) So that's it. That's actually it. That is the guest happiness framework. Every guest wants to feel confident, human, and needed. And we'll be back for the next episode talking about culture. And I'm really excited for this next episode. We're going to talk about where do I start? I got all these things, all this framework. But if I had to take over a business and start from scratch, what were the first things I'd do in the first you know 90 days? So that'll be a good episode. And uh, like always, if you are on the Apple Podcast app, leave us a review and a comment, say something, say hello, that makes this podcast grow, this audience grow. So we'd really appreciate that. And check out our Instagram at loveworkshere. Stay tuned for those Halloween costumes. They're coming. So thank you for tuning in. Take care of yourselves and be well. Mm